You're listening to ClearCast, the real estate fintech podcast by Clear Capital. Each month, your co-hosts, Jeff Allen and Keenan Chen, will bring you compelling stories and revolutionary ideas from the people, companies, and institutions at the intersection of real estate, finance, and technology. Want to be a guest on the show or have an idea for an episode? Email marketing at clearcapital.com and let us know. And now, here's the show. Hi, and welcome back to ClearCast. This is episode seven. I am Jeff Allen, as always, joined by my good friend and colleague at Clear Capital, Keenan Chen. Keenan, how are you? I am am great. I've got uh, some ventilators on order so that uh, I can learn how to breathe outside in the smoke. <laughs> For those who don't know, Keenan lives in the Bay Area, so his entire world has been reduced to an apocalyptic hellscape by the fire. Uh, how you holding up out there? <laughs> Dystopia is great, Jeff. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, here in the Midwest, Keenan, the skies are clear, the birds are chirping, and it's just great. Let me tell you. I'm, I'm thinking about getting in the car and just driving to you. You know, uh, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It'd be great. We haven't seen each other in person in about six months. I, I, I'm missing my Keenan time. This virtual stuff, it, it's not the same. Driven, driven by fire. Driven by fire. Well, before you hop in the car and uh, and and head out to me, let's talk a little bit about what we're what we're going to tackle here today. On episode seven, we've got an awesome guest. We have Clayton Collins, who is the uh, CEO of Housing Wire, which is a, a publication that I know we all read. And we had a great conversation with Clayton. Uh, before we get to that, we've got um, some news we want to hit on, as well as the real estate joke of the pod which Keenan, I know you're excited for. Um, let's talk about what's going on in the news. Um, a, a story that is not fun to follow, but for those of us in the mortgage and real estate industries, um, sadly is a story we do need to follow, um, is the difficulty that many uh, American homeowners are having right now keeping current with their mortgage payments. I think as we all know, the pandemic um, has created um, some really negative effects to our economy. Um, and, and folks um, are certainly, we're, we're seeing some, some numbers that indicate that there is, um, you know, certainly a rise in, in difficulties in mortgage payments. But Keenan, what we're struggling with here, what I'm struggling with, and we need your sage advice to work, work through, is there's kind of like conflicting news stories about how good or bad it is um, in terms of, of delinquencies and, and forbearances and what that might do to housing prices. So here's two examples that I read on the same day earlier this week that lead me, leave me confused and I need Keenan to help me. All right. All right. First piece is from CoreLogic. They've got a top-notch uh, economics group over there and they published a study, their Loan Performance Insights Report, uh, that indicates that the 90-day delinquency rate uh, in June spiked to the highest rate in more than 21 years, um, and that the delinquency rate is expected uh, to potentially even double by early 22 from where it is right now. That sounds bad. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Th that does sound, sound bad, absolutely. So what's the conflicting report? Well, so then there's another report 
that indicates that the forbearance rate on loans has fallen to its lowest level in months. So people are working through forbearance. Um, and then there, there's also this piece from Sagent Lending Technologies, which indicates that um, folks who are exiting forbearance um, exited for pretty not scary reasons. Um, most of them, when they were in forbearance, they were still keeping their mortgage current throughout that process. So they weren't actually delinquent or they exited forbearance with a lump sum payment or a balloon payment at the end of the loan. So there's not a lot of like major fallout. It's like legitimate exits of forbearance. So how, how are we supposed to reconcile like a really bad story with something that makes it seem like it's not so bad? That's a great question. I, I think the place to start would be around what's the difference between a forbearance and, and truly being um, being delinquent. I think what we've seen, and, and the Sagent report calls this out as well, is that there are actually a number of, of uh, strategic forbearances to uh, to steal the term from you know from the housing finance crisis in 2008, the strategic default. Um, I think we're also seeing homeowners, you know, do strategic forbearances where they are um, uh, either either by not fully understanding what what it means or just hedging their bets and saying, I, I might not need it right this second, but while it's being offered to me, I should go ahead and take advantage of this program um, in case I should need it because of uncertainty, um, you know, for for the months ahead. And and there's a large percentage of folks still paying their mortgage on time, even though they're in forbearance. So it seems like um, that folks are, are now, if they're able to, to continue paying their mortgage, that, uh, uh, that, that, that forbearance rate is actually going, going down. Um, and we're now starting to see, you know, the actual percentage of, you know, truly, um, uh, uh, delinquent um, mortgages versus um, you know versus what just went into went into forbearance, um, and and then when you dig a little bit further, and, and inside mortgage finance has a good story that uh, that that breaks this down. But um, the the forbearance um, direction is very different for. Uh, GSC loans for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac than it is for FHA and VA. Um, they report that um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's forbearance reading has has fallen um, uh, to 4.8 percent, um, whereas Ginny uh, Mae has actually increased um, four points up to 9.62 percent. Um, so we're definitely seeing a a a, a a divide in the, in the behavior between um, how agency loans are performing versus uh, versus FHA and VA, um, and as as we as we know, the um, you know FHA you know loans um, are perhaps a little more um, uh, susceptible, right, uh, in terms of higher DTI, um, perhaps you know a difference in the in the equity. Um, status as well. So it's something we should really be keeping our eye on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you called out the difference um, uh, with Ginnie Mae versus others. You know, there's there's these overall numbers, but then there's kind of stories within the numbers. Um, yeah, I think for a lot of us in the industry, again, it's not a fun story to watch, but the, the, the sad fact of the matter is 
what happens with lo these loans and what happens with ultimately if, if these turn into foreclosures uh, really impacts a lot of what our professional lives will look like in 2021 and beyond. So um, thanks for talking us through that, Keenan. Um, it is confusing sometimes to watch the headlines and try to make sense of it. But if I can summarize what I think you said, uh, you said a lot of words. <laughs> I, I got lost in some of them. But uh, I think what you're saying is, it is confirmed bad, but there's nuance to the bad. Yes, yes, I think that's that's a great way to summarize my babbling. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and certainly not really a laughing matter, but we all have to try and do our best here. And, and um, yeah, so thanks for for talking us through that, Keenan. Um, speaking of a laughing matter, Keenan, are you ready for the real estate joke of the pod? You know, every time we come to this portion, I, uh, I, I really try to, to get ready in, in, in various ways. And, you know, Jeff, I, I, I'm not ready, but okay. I'm just going to do it anyway. Thank you. I appreciate your, your support, um, even though you're not ready. Um, so I am proud to say this is yet another original real estate joke of the pod. Wrote this one uh, just last night with my wife's help. Shout out to Allison. Okay, so there's this real estate agent who is the top producer in his area by a massive margin. I mean, this guy's killing it. He's getting buyers and sellers left and right. The weird thing is his real estate office really sucks. It's literally just a crappy old card table that sits out in the open air on the sidewalk. Like the table is all dented and dirty. The chair that he sits in is like a lawn chair from a garage sale. Um, and he just sits out there all day at this card table on the sidewalk, just right out in the open. That's kind of weird, right? Yes, this is weird. <laughs> that would be weird. And all around him on this same street that he's on, he is surrounded by these beautiful, tall glass buildings, just gorgeous, modern design. And all of these buildings are literally filled with his competitors, other real estate offices, all around him in these insanely great buildings. What a stark contrast, isn't that, Keenan? That sounds sad. Yeah. And yet this card table guy is outselling his competition by a ratio of 10 to 1. How's he doing it? Any guesses? Uh, hustle? <laughs> <laughs> Grit? Determination? No. He's got one simple trick to explain his success. Whenever a potential customer walks up to his card table on the sidewalk, he says, well, the realtors next door might try to negotiate the best home prices for you, but I'm positively roofless. <laughs> do you get it? <laughs> I, I, I do get it. In fact, it, it sounded like you said roof, roof, ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> Roofless. He doesn't have a roof. He's just at the card table. <laughs> you see? And the, and the people, they like that because they want a good negotiator. So that's why he's been so successful and so good at the real estate stuff. Right. Now, when I try to say ruthless, I'm going to end up saying roofless and sound like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Thank you for that. You're welcome for that. All right. Well, we're here with 
Clayton Collins, our guest for this month's ClearCast. We're very excited uh, to have Clayton here on board. Usually, uh, I'm the one getting interviewed by Clayton, and I get to actually turn the tables and, uh, and be in the driver's seat. So I'm going to ask all kinds of crazy questions and throw them as many curveballs as, as possible. <laughs> let's, see what, let's see what you got. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, you've always been nice to me and, and, and great. So I, I, I probably should, you know, should, should return the favor, but, um, but Clayton, for those of you who, who don't know, um, he is the, the founder and CEO of, of housing wire media. Um, you know, Clayton leads the, the, the corporate strategy, the content roadmap, uh, while building a world-class team of business media professionals. Um, and, uh, he has a ton of experience in the in the investment side and the, the capital side. He actually um, is a managing partner of, of Rio Mar Capital, and uh, and you know it's been exciting to to follow. You know, I think the trajectory of Housing Wire and and some of the new things that they're doing. So hopefully, we will get a chance to talk about some of the new brands and, and things happening today. So thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, Clayton. No, I appreciate the invitation, Keenan. So. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you and I have talked you know, before about your, your background and, and how you, you uh, intersected with, with Housing Wire, but would, would love to hear, you know, again, for, for everyone, um, uh, how your, your personal trajectory ended up in this crazy world of, of uh, housing, housing media. Yeah, I'd love to say it was a, a super in, intentional path with, with each step plan, but that's kind of r rarely how really how these things worked out. But a, a lot of my experience from my um, my uh, earliest jobs as an intern and in, in high school and college working at a community bank and, and mortgage processing to later going on to work for, for Citigroup and, and retail and cards and, and sales and marketing um, really prepared me with a lot of industry knowledge and, and connections to, to help me be more successful in this role at, at HW Media. Um, so started my career at City. I uh, did a rotational program, so I had exposure to um, retail banking, cards, uh, small business banking. Uh, it was in the middle of the financial crisis, and kind of due to staffing needs, and, and probably because I was uh, one of the less expensive um, uh, options in the, in the candidate pool, um, had the opportunity to manage uh, a retail branch at Fifth and Thirty Seventh and in Manhattan which was a pretty crazy experience uh, in 2008 and 2009, as there's so much uncertainty in the, uh, the entire financial system um, and in including the organization that, that I was part of. Um, so just an incredibly stressful, but important time for me professionally and, and how I kind of developed. And one of the things that was really formative in that, that time as a, as a branch manager was we were often able to get more real-time information from some of the financial press like the wall street journal and bloomberg than we were able to uh through through internal corporate comms and um and internal channels and uh as you're opening up a branch every morning and um and have uh, consumers and small business owners coming in looking for uh answers or wanting reassurance on um stability or what they should expect from from the company um and in manhattan there's it, it wasn't uncommon to, that some of our clients were also shareholders uh it was important to be in, as informed as possible about what's happening with the company and what's happening with um, the overall economy and at the time the, the financial and, and housing crisis. 
And I think that was my first, like, where I really kind of fell in love or had a, had a passion for, for business news and, and business media. Um, and uh, at, at that time, kind of continued my financial services career, but um, realized the, the power of information and, and uh, accurate and timely news and information to help business professionals make better decisions. Um, so it became a really important part of my my daily workflow as I as I grew as a leader and a professional in, in that role. Um, from there, I, I went on to Royal Bank of Canada and to the M&A group, um, another responsibility where timely, accurate information is, is incredibly important. We're helping companies um, tell their stories and prepare for, for uh, mergers and acquisitions activity and uh, being in like, tied into the news flow and uh, trends and data that's impacting the, the verticals we were covering was an incredibly important part of that job. So another kind of formative experience that that helped me prepare for this uh, this role of HW Media. But I think kind of most, um, most formative is I ended up working with a lot of small uh, media operators uh, and we did several sell side deals um, of media companies like uh, like PetFinder.com and, and HowStuffWorks.com and uh, these niche little media companies that I really enjoyed working on and really uh, was at times envious of the other side of the, the table. Like the the operating seat seemed um, just so interesting compared to uh, kind of the the deal flow, which is exciting, but it, it always comes to an end. I mean, you don't really know what happens to a business or if that, that strategy that you helped formulate or market really comes together. And uh, that's one of the things that got me really excited about pursuing a, a more entrepreneurial path that incorporated um, my experience in financial services as well as uh, M and A and and in media. Um, so in 2016, I uh, led an investor group to acquire housing wire from the founders so the company was originally founded in 2008 uh founders built an incredible business and uh, a great team and it was a great platform acquisition for me to kind of transition from my uh a world experience to um to an operating seat and not walk into a scenario where like immediate and rapid change was needed i had the opportunity to come in and, and learn the business and uh focus on um, integrating with the team and getting the right people in the right roles. And um, so for the last four and a half years, been uh, been working hard to continue building on what the founders of Housing Mart built under the new ownership umbrella of HW Media. Awesome. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Housing Wire having been around since 2008 at this point. I think a lot of, <clears throat> at least, you know, from my perspective, one of the reasons Housing Wire you know, is still here and is still offering tons of value and maybe more than ever is because it's not just a repository of press releases from companies. You know, it's uh, you guys go in depth. Um, you do actual journalism and, and kind of get under the weeds. And, and that's really helpful to those of us who monitor the housing space. So um, good stories and interviews obviously often rely on in-person interviews uh which is kind of hard to do right now with this whole pandemic thing not sure if you heard about that um how have you adapted during this time to to keep producing high-level journalism yeah i mean so real estate's clearly a a, a local game and uh, every every market is different um but it's also an incredibly 
geographically fragmented industry where we have lenders headquartered and located from, from coast to coast, as well as other real estate professionals, valuation professionals, and everybody else that, that reads housing wires nationally distributed. So we, we've grown a lot. We're still, still a small organization. So in-person interviews are powerful, but they're often kind of restricted to like our activity in our own backyard. We're, we're based in, in Irving, Texas, so have a pretty large lending and um, in, in servicing community right, right here within a, a few miles of our office. And then also the large industry conferences. We're able to get in front of a lot of executives in a, in a short period of time. Uh, but ultimately, one of the things that I think potentially is positive coming out of this, this pandemic for, for news and, and other businesses is people's willingness and ability to jump on, on Zoom and video and calls and um, even text and, and communicate and as a replacement for those experiences that we used to wait for. And wait, instead of waiting for October to get, get in front of somebody in Chicago at NBA Annual, we now push that conversation faster and get on Zoom and have the and have the face to face. That's a that's a benefit that I see both in our, our newsroom as well as in our, our sales organization of, of not waiting around for that next uh, flight or in-person opportunity, but using the tools we have at our fingertips to have those conversations and um, and push conversations forward, whether that's in sales or in uh, in reporting and journalism. Do you find yourself, you know, as you're as you're out there seeing how other people are adapting right to this and, and making themselves available and, and hearing their stories around um, their strategy, right, for even things like remote work and stuff? Has that changed your approach at all for how HW Media is, is run? Are, are you guys coming back to the office soon? Are you, you know, are are, are you changing your long term strategy as well? Yeah, so to be like completely honest, coming into Housing Wire was like a, a moderately difficult cultural transition for me. I came from investment banking where like FaceTime is is highly valued. Like you're you're at your desk, you're in your cube, um, often seven days a week. And um, yeah, you do some work remote, you have a laptop, you have a Blackberry, but like most work, all meetings happen in the office. Um, Housing Wire has long had a more flexible work environment. So I came into an organization that already had a relatively flexible work from home policy and a few team members nationally distributed. And uh, after a period, got pretty comfortable with the, the benefits of that. And, uh, and in the last several years, we'd already began um, kind of opening up our, our hiring strategy to look from coast to coast. We have our, our chief operating officer, Diego, um, at least pre-pandemic, sat, sat in New York. We've had sales team members in New York, editorial team members in Boston, other locations on the East Coast, marketers in Chicago, journalists in Denver. So like we, we were getting our, the, the wheels were greased on like how we work with the distributed a distributed team. Um, but that just became really pronounced in March when, when everybody went remote. But a lot of the things that we learned through working with the distributed team pre-pandemic, we just had to figure out how do you apply to onboarding new team members who you may never meet in person or might not meet in person for, for another year to um, kind of getting like the, the physical requirements of work, like shipping out a laptop and like, like that, that kind of stuff taken care of when, when nobody's at an office. And uh, it's like ultimately some small headaches, but uh, I think we're at a, at a size and have like a work culture that 
that made this a pretty easy transition for us. And we look at that as a pretty, uh, I mean, relative competitive advantage. Like we did not have to waste weeks or months of time figuring out how we survive and and drive forward in a a remote environment. Be able to very quickly um, shift remote, leverage the channels we were already using for communication of of, of Slack and Zoom and phone, um, and then just create new processes for for recruiting and onboarding and, and bringing the team together for for team building activities in a way that uh, isn't boring and uh, still achieves the the objective of making sure that people across teams know who each other are and um, feel like some uh, some of that water cooler um, benefit that you get in an office. Yeah. HousingWire seems to be branching out in focus a bit. I think historically, uh, it's something that at least I've viewed through the lens of kind of the lending and, and mortgage finance side of things. And, and there seems to be more of a real estate uh, focus now. Um, a, am I crazy for thinking that? Uh, and, and B, if not, is that, walk us through that strategy as you guys make that change. Yeah, Jeff, that's a good question. It's not an overall change in strategy. I think it's just more, more pronounced through, through growth. So when Housing Wire was founded in 2008, Part of the strategy was to cover origination, servicing, secondary markets, and real estate to connect all housing professionals with the same information to make better decisions, better run businesses, and better serve their clients. Part of the founding rationale is that prior to to Housing Wire, there was a lot of nichier, more um, uh, siloed sources of information. So they're a, a separate site for secondary markets professionals and a separate magazine or brand for for servicers and created these um these information silos where mortgage servicers had no idea what was coming up the pipe in terms of what real estate agents are seeing in the in the purchase market originators weren't learning anything about the capital market side of the business which ultimately drives product innovation and 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 pricing and we wanted to bring together all that information in one place so housing professionals could up their game and be more aware of the entire housing finance transaction from the the day uh, uh, an agent lists the uh, list the new home to sells the house to the transactions um, financed and the loan goes to a, a third-party servicer or it's sold off in the secondary market we wanted to connect all the pieces so housing professionals can really level their game so much of the content we cover is driven by trends in the industry and, and the news cycle and when we saw rates continue to decline in 2017 2018 saw purchase activity continue to to pick up we knew that connecting originators and real estate agents was going to become an increasingly important part of the of the conversation and the and the transaction and that's when we started uh, that that focus on real estate has always been there, but that's when we started hiring more around those roles and bringing in a real estate editor and building out a, a real estate pod within our team, so we can more holistically cover trends in the in different real estate markets and and with a location on focus on uh, a focus on location as well as at a national level, and help originators be armed with the information they need to understand the challenges that agents and brokers are facing, um, kind of before the loan hits their desk or the application hits their desk. Wow. So, I mean, you know, obviously this, this podcast is, is about real estate fintech and which, you know, we're, we basically just think, think of that as, 
there's overlapping um, areas that seem to be connecting more and more. And so it sounds like you're you're seeing that as well. You know, I'm curious if you if you see that as a trend that's happening that you're responding to, or or you see yourself as part of the um, part of the the solution for breaking down these these silos. Um, and I was even thinking specifically about about the the housing stack you know project where it, it looks like you guys are trying to to actually map out the way you know the way companies are connected across these different silos um oh what are you guys up to yeah no i mean we definitely like to see ourselves as as part of the the solution and, and part of the uh, uh information source that drives conversations and, and progress forward our our mission at housing wire is moving markets forward we like legitimately believe that more informed industry professionals will further the the success of the housing market for generations to come making it a more efficient marketplace for the the homeowners and consumers as well as a more attractive place to build careers for the professionals that are that are starting out today or have been working in industry for for decades when we look at the fintech landscape and specifically how it impacts mortgage and real estate you have a a conversation about technology that that isn't new like this conversation has been going on for 10 15 20 years uh, but it's been met with a lot of resistance slow progress testing um wait and see let's see how if, if our competitor implements something and we'll implement it do we build it ourselves do we buy it do we partner and a, a lot of conversation that's led to relatively slow adoption and what we see in our role as as covering the housing landscape from origination to real estate transactions is that if originators and and lenders aren't armed with information about what different solution who's coming to market with different solutions how those solutions can be applied to improve their businesses you're gonna the end result is going to be a, a less productive housing ecosystem because there's going to be a small handful of players who either come in with venture backing or a healthier balance sheet for one reason or another, really invest in technology and take an extreme outsized portion of market share. And there's, there's positives and negatives to a fragmented market. One of the negatives being you have, we have a lot of small players who might not have the resources or know-how to really digitize their, their business models. But if, the solutions that are coming to market through some really innovative software and uh, services um, partners can bring that innovation to this fragmented market. We see that as a win for the, the overall housing ecosystem. So, so part of our mission is moving markets forward is bringing that information to housing professionals. So housing stack is part of that. So housing stack is a project that's relatively new for us. And, and Keenan, like you mentioned, we're, we're mapping out different, very specific segments of the, of the technology ecosystem in the housing transaction. So we actually started over on the, the agent and broker side and are digging into some very specific areas from, from marketing tools to, uh, to, to, to lead augmentation and lead gen tools and, and really looking at the, how all the players map out, who partners with, with whom, um, what integrates with, with what and giving 
real estate professionals a better idea of exactly, all right, where do I start here? Where, what's the platform? Who's the plugin? Like, is this something that I can implement on my own or do I need to hire a, a, a CTO or, a, um, or an implementation firm to help with execution? And uh, we're, we're in early stages of that, but we're starting to pull together some really cool data and also helping connect the dots for ourselves. And that, as, as you know, from, from your experience in the industry, there's, there's more announcements of, of partnerships and integrations than anybody can, can digest. And we think that to, to really help the housing ecosystem, we wanna to get to a place where we're not only saying like, hey, these 42 companies do lead gen, but these 42 companies do lead gen and they also connect to this CRM and they connect to this marketing platform and they flow into like this compliance tool. And we want to get to a place where we have a, an extremely thorough and, and, and thoughtful and, and updated view on the technology solutions that, that have, a, have a shot at bringing this fragmented housing ecosystem into a more digital age um, in a way that helps professionals that are here today uh, defend their position and grow market share um, and kind of reduce the risk of complete disruption. Wow. Yeah, and for those who want to check that out, it's called Housing Stack. Both Keenan and I are a big fan of it. Um, our friend Scott Petronas helps with it, which is also cool. Um, so you guys are always up to new stuff. You also have a new media brand that just launched called Finledger. So if, as if you didn't have enough on your plate, you decided okay. to add one more. Uh, <laughs> and Finledger is is dedicated to fintech news. Um, so so why now for Finledger, and what can we expect from it? Yeah, so when we acquired Housing Wire, I founded and formed a new entity, HW Media. And the Housing Wire is focused on the, the single family real estate transaction that origination, servicing secondary, and, and real estate sales. Um, but at HW Media, we want our focus to be serving financial services, real estate, and technology professionals with, with news and information. So we have this broader focus under the HW Media umbrella and a, and a strategy to bring new brands to market through organic launch and, and acquisition to, to fulfill that kind of more holistic view of what we can achieve with HW Media, but also with a lens that scale benefits our audience and our, and our clients through better corporate resources. So like as we, as we grow as a business and bring new brands to market, we're able to level up our technology, able to level up our marketing capabilities, able to level up the products that we, we serve our audience with. And so the strategy of bringing Finledger to market today is part of that, that plan we put in place in 2016. But, but Jeff, your question of why now, I think is really, really important. So uh, we are looking at kind of what's going on in this pandemic economy of, of having a, a, a lot of different effects. And, um, as we've, when we talk about the real estate asset, and I, I think um, uh, Rich Barton of Zillow said it, said it best, there's a, a, a great reshuffling going on right now. And people are, are leaving certain markets, moving to others, leaving condos, moving to single family, um, leaving, living independently to living in their parents' basement. There's a, there's a reshuffling going on right now in, in the real estate asset that, that has a, um, Will have a real effect on on property values and inventory in, in certain places but when you when you zoom out a little bit further 
the, the, I guess the catchphrase that, that we're um, pushing and, and catching on to is the great acceleration. And there's a lot of decisions that were bound to happen in the next two, five, 10 years that are happening today. So on the consumer side, some of that's that great reshuffling. People that were in a metropolitan area and now they're gonna to move to the burbs. And they're, they were gonna do that. Like it was gonna happen, but it was gonna happen when their kids were seven and they wanted to go to a different school, not when they, when they were recently married and just decided they didn't wanna live downtown anymore. So you have this great acceleration of decisions. You also have a great acceleration of decisions in the, in the technology front. Going back to our conversation about mortgage and real estate technology, all those businesses that were evaluating and planning and testing for the last decade now have to make decisions. There has never been more threat um, for cybersecurity. So you have to have more secure systems. There's never been a more important demand for um, cloud platforms that allow your employees and clients and partners to work remotely and distributed. There's never been more uh, uh, focus on the ability of using data and analytics to improve your product and service offering. So as we, we see the stresses that this great acceleration and the pandemic put on businesses and put on consumers, a lot of those stresses are, are solved in some way through implementation of the, the right technology and tools. So we saw this as an opportunity that now is a time that change is gonna happen. And in, in my view and in, in our view at HW Media, Periods of change, periods of disruption are the most important time for, for news media brands to, to exist. And when uh, an end user, a professional or a consumer is going through a period of disruption or change in their life, that is when they need timely and accurate news and information, which, um, which creates an entrepreneurial opportunity. And uh, so we saw this as an opportunity to bring to market a new brand um, focus heavily on really high quality differentiated content and build an audience that benefits from the, the work we're doing every day. And uh, that, that's, the, that's the why behind what we're doing with FinLedger right now. Um, a quick what, we, we are focusing on uh, the, uh, the FinTech landscape, including BankTech and SureTech, payments and PropTech. So it's a differentiated brand from HousingWire. HousingWire focuses on the, the, the single family uh, residential side of the, the real estate ecosystem. The, the part of our FinLedger coverage that will be prop tech focused will be a little more CRE and, and multifamily focused. So the, uh, a different uh, part of the real estate transaction. Um, and uh, the, the rationale focusing on bank tech and sure tech prop tech and payments to an extent is the, the interconnectedness of, of those businesses from a um, distribution standpoint of all kind of, for the most part, being centered around um, bank distribution or, or digital distribution um, and uh, the reliance on banks and insurance companies to lend and invest in uh, the CRE and prop tech market. So it's a, it's a very kind of like triangular focus of like the players and audiences that we, we serve in those verticals have an interconnected nature, um, which will help us kind of get, get smarter, faster to bring value to those audiences. There's a lot to unpack in, in there are some really good nuggets, you know, um, we we'll have to pull out some of these snippets because you know the nuggets around even like cybersecurity, right? That that doesn't get talked about a lot. So that's that's really you know that's really cool. Um, some of the trends that you're you're honing in on there. Um, there's there's a lot going on with with the the COVID nineteen pandemic. There's 
um, there's been a lot of different coverage, right? Because of everything going on from social issues, there's of course a lot of coverage going on right now around, you know, the disparate impact uh, of COVID um, on housing. Um, um, in addition to the technology acceleration and, and all of these things. I, I'm curious, I mean, you get to see all of it and you're, I'm sure you're on top of everything that's going on, but do you feel like there's any stories that are being overlooked right now or, or, or things that aren't getting maybe the attention that they, that, 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 that they should, um, that you're interested in digging into more? I mean, I think I think your your point on kind of the disparate impact is a is a story that is is just starting to unfold. Um, I know there was uh, some data and some um, th some theses or earlier in the pandemic that the pandemic may impact uh, as it relates to the housing market, um, uh, the rental population more so than the the homeowner population. And uh, there's a lot of people who who disagree with that. But ultimately, we we have seen a pretty unfair impact on on jobs and uh, and and um, homeowners that are, are on on renters and in this scenario that it's much more likely that folks that are renting were or people in the hospitality industry and other industries that were just decimated in the in the early months and continue to be severely impacted um the the probability they were, were renters was was higher due to um due to income levels as well as uh geographic concentrations and so that's an, an area that's just starting to unfold um we uh our, our lead analyst logan moshami did some some work earlier this week and i mean part of his view is that even with unemployment we still have 140 million Americans working and the a healthy housing economy only needs about 4 million um, new mortgage buyers a year. So there's a, uh, uh, there's a, I think there's a story to be told in the amount of unemployment, a healthy housing economy can sustain if real estate prices are not negatively impact. Um, so that, that's an area that, that we're going to dig deeper into. Um, but I think it's pretty uh, fascinating, but also sad of, of how disparate the impact has been on different parts of the country, as well as people in different um, employment sectors. Yeah, well put. <clears throat> so to, to close us out here with a final question, we're going to ask you to put on your your prognosticator hat. This is a term I used in our last episode. Um, there, there's a lot of different data points out there relative to housing prices that we are all kind of watching closely and trying to sort through. You know, there's there's data that indicates that um, delinquencies are 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 through the roof, um, and that we're probably headed towards some serious trouble. You know, not just to mention the the sad story for those individual homeowners, but the pressure that that will put on the real estate market in terms of, of prices. And then there's other data points out there indicating that, you know, perhaps it's not as bad as we think. Um, and that a lot of these folks who are in trouble will end up being able to work through forbearance plans and they'll be okay. What, what does your gut tell you about where housing is going to be at this point next year in terms of prices? All right. To put my prognosticator hat on, um, my gut tells me that we are currently in a market that is significantly more um, efficient with healthier finance product than we saw in, in 2007, 2008. So my prognostication is I'm immediately throwing out the, um, the, a, a high probability of a major drop 
in real estate asset asset prices. That said, uh, the term location, location, location typically replies or applies to um, the 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 premium on a on a house that's in a in a great location. But I think in this scenario, we might be talking about location, location, location in relation to areas of the country that are hit much harder than the national average. And uh, I think there's there's parts of the country that are seeing um, that uh, that biggest like Zoom Zoom town impact of like the where people are are leaving and, and where they're going. And there's going to be a um, I don't know if a barbell is the right term, but a uh, there, there's going to be a very disparate impact on, uh, on 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 MSAs based on where people must or choose to work. And uh, I think that's one of the, the big things that I'm anticipating in the, in the next 12 months. No, I really appreciate the, the time, Clayton. I, I think there's, there's a lot in here that we could dig into a lot deeper. I wish we had more time to kind of keep going, but uh, we really appreciate your, your time and insight and, and congrats on the success. Appreciate it, Keenan. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Thanks, Clayton. I thought it sounded great. <laughs> PDF, PDF, PDF. Wow. <laughs>